We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Oh, oh. this is gonna be fun. We can stand late, swapping manly stories, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I'm not going to give you a can question. You stay, can you stay categorical? You are fake news. Sir, go ahead. I can, you can see Russia from my house. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, we, um, like drink box water bottles. I don't know. The proof is approved. What kind of proof? It's approved. Here come the players. Champions. 
in 19, we won't say what year. <laughs> we, we won't say that. But second overall, t- tell the, tell us about that, that process, uh, you know, the draft, what the draft was like back then. Well, it's actually, um, you know, it could be a very mundane story, but it's actually um, an interesting story. And it's one that I don't know if you guys know, because we were not supposed to tell anybody. Uh, That draft actually didn't take place. So it took place. We got drafted. But here's what's interesting. Obviously, the WHA was wide, you know, was trying to steal all the NHL players in that year. And um, and all of the top five to ten uh, picks that year were all signed before the draft. Oh, so wow. it was like the most anticlimactic draft. Like Bobby wow. Smith had already signed with Minnesota. Yeah, I'd already signed with Washington. Wow. You know, uh, so so it was crazy. And so we were in Montreal, you know. And my mom and dad and I were sworn to secrecy, right? And it was the old uh, okay, you know, Minnesota takes Bobby Smith and. Here we go. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Isn't that? Yeah. Wow. You, that, like you wonder if how much is known behind the scenes. But back then, of course, uh, the WHA, Bobby, Bobby Hall, he's a Belleville boy. And yeah. uh, he, he made the jump back mm. then. So, so when you got drafted, what was your, what was going through? You kind of knew that you were going to go there. What did you have expectation that you were going to actually play the next year? Or were you going to return to junior? Or what was your expectation? Yeah. Great question. No, I was, I'm going to make that team. And, uh, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have impact right away. That was my expectation. Um, and they, they, you know, I was pretty fortunate. I wasn't going to the Montreal Canadians. I wasn't going to, you know, a a top five or 10 team. I mean, they needed talent. They needed uh, young players to come in. Max McNabb, the GM, and I loved Max. Max, uh, actually had to draft at that point players that could play in Philly. And when I say play in Philly, I'm, 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 you know, I'm humbly careful here because (laughs) if, if you couldn't compete at that level and, and weren't ready to compete at that level, you know, you couldn't help their team because if you think of all the teams, you know, you got the Flyers, Boston, Montreal was tough. Like all these teams were tough teams. So it, it was an interesting time to come into our game. What was, what was your first goal? What team did you score your first goal against? Scored against LA game two. Uh, I think it was Rogie Vachon, but there's mm. a there's an old name. Yep. And and uh, and in my first faceoff, uh, you know, it was a great story. Actually, I'll I'll flip it to you guys off air. Um, I tell the story and I build a little principle around it. But my first faceoff was in Chicago in my first game against Stan Makita. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's very cool. Very cool. Now, we'll back it up a little bit. You played in the, the Pee Wee Tournament in Quebec, and you also played in the World Juniors. And uh, the World Juniors, there was some young guy on the team, uh, 16-year-old, no name, really. And and maybe you can tell about the the, the uh, World Juniors. <laughs> who, who, was, who was your teammate in the World Juniors? Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. You know, when, when you think of Wayne Gretzky as a 16-year-old turning 17, um, so we, what happened was there was a training camp in the summer in Toronto and that's when the, the team was really picked, you know, I mean, they made adjustments uh, a little before world juniors, but, um, and there's a skinny little kid and, and, you know, we all knew, him, but, but he could hardly like, you know, they, he, he could hardly take a wrist shot. Like it, it, his wrist shot wouldn't work because he wasn't strong enough. His slap shot was brilliant. And, uh, and so, you know, he not only makes the team, but he went, you know, he 
he leads the whole tournament in scoring. Like, wow. Just incredible. That's wow. cool. Uh, we're going to put you on for a little trivia. Are you, are you up for a little trivia? Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on Steve and Bob to help me out. <laughs> okay. We got your back. We, we got, got your back. Don't worry. All right, we got a little bit of trivia. In the nineteen seventy eight draft, how many NHL teams were drafting? Oh, great question. Great question. You can phone a friend. Do you know Stevie? Yeah, no idea. Bob, Steve? Uh, Bob? I I was not born in nineteen seventy eight. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm less help than say Bobby. <laughs> Bob? I uh, no idea. 16? 18. 18. 18. Okay. Of the, in the draft, in that draft, how many Canadians were drafted in the first round of the 18? Great question. Quite a few in those years. If you said all, you would be correct. Yeah. Mm, wow. All 18, eh? It was interesting. Uh, also, the, we'll go, uh, who has more NHL experience? Lori Boschman, Ryan Walter, or Mark Osborne? <laughs> that's a good one bob steve what do you think uh, it's got to be you ryan yep. i mean I, i'm you're my man those yeah exactly those two guys had great careers though yeah uh you know what Bashi had six more games than you did that awesome oh. yeah they were all within and the last one just because we're we're going here from belleville who led team usa in scoring at your world juniors yeah it was team usa and it was a belleville boy Really? Yeah. USA. Yeah, and That's his cool. his his brother is a is a coach was a coach in the NHL and actually mm-hmm. coached out in Vancouver. It was Bobby Crawford. Oh, wow. Bobby Crawford. How yep. about that? I, yep. I wouldn't have got that either. There you go. Well, I, we 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 like to have tough questions here. <laughs> so talk about your journey of faith. You're in. You're out in uh, Washington. You're a rookie, yep. and actually, you were the youngest captain of the Washington Capitals. How old were you when you when you get the captaincy? Yeah, so I was I was drafted as a 19-year-old, you know, played there as 2021 20, and so would have been sort of, you know, 22 years old I'd be, you know, was asked to be the captain and and that was a humbling experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting if you think about leadership in in pro sport, the tendency is to put the C on on your, you know, not ne- not necessarily your leader, but your top player. And that's, that's evolved, right? Like that's typically what happens. You put the C on the top player and, and it's really, really uh, important that that, you know, that that player has a sense of, of how to lead. And, and I needed, you know what I wish I would have had guys back in the day. I wish I would have had a mentor, Mm. you know, some, somebody that would have come alongside and said, listen, I've made that mistake. Don't do that. Mm. Um, And, and so I, you know, I'm, I was very thankful to, to be a captain at a young age. Wow. Now talk about your journey of faith. When did you really get serious about your faith and when did you make a decision about that? I have, uh, you know, probably like all of us on this call, I have the, the greatest mom and dad in the world and our family is amazing. Uh, but we were not a faith family. I mean, mm. our, our Sunday mornings were filled with uh, minor hockey. Mm. Uh, so, you know, a lot, a lot of Canadian families probably, you know, relate to that. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, uh, something happened to me uh, early. I'm in my early 20s. Uh, my, you know, a very good friend of ours, Jean and Deanne Pronovo now. Jean's on the capital team. <clears throat> He's an older player. I'm a younger player. And uh, I remember it was a, a little flight from New York. It wasn't that long a flight, but 
we hit one of those uh, those big storms on the East Coast that come in, and the plane sort of dropped. You know, and it, this hasn't, I've flown a lot in my career. That doesn't happen often, but it's the old, you know, you're wondering if, if it's going to come out of the, the uh-huh. tailspin. And and it, it really shook us up. Uh, some of the big, you know, the big tough guys, you know, that always sat at the back of the plane, they were yelling out the name of Jesus. And wow. <clears throat> for the first time in their life, it wasn't, it wasn't a swear word, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I got off the plane. I didn't get off the plane different. I just got off the plane curious. Mm. And I wondered, you know, like this is my simplistic mind. If the plane goes down, does Ryan go up? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that's it. That's really it. And and I got to a place where I wanted to understand more because basically I I was a North American kid, you know, and, and our philosophy is if you work hard and you do good, you're as good as you can be, you're gonna go to heaven. And and that's that was ingrained, you know, it's the Puritan philosophy, right? And and I I I got thinking, well, how how could that be though? Like, how do I know? Because when the plane goes down, like I've got six or eight seconds to maybe make some sort of understanding or decision, but that's it. So I got off the plane, I went over to Jean Pronovo. Prony was one of these born again Christian guys, right? <laughs> Yep. I had no idea. I thought that was, uh, you know, preachers on TV. I had no idea what that was. And, you know, the, the cool thing that I want to forget to say, guys, is there's one reason I went to Jean Pronovo, because I was watching Prony. Mm. And Pro, Prony loved Deanne. That was his That's wife? It. That's it. Wow. Right? When I, wanted to, when I wanted faith, when I wanted to see something real, I wanted to talk to somebody, you know, that was real. Uh, I watched and he loved his kids and he loved Deanne and he didn't come home, you know, off of the road trip with four little teddy bears, giving them to the kids because he felt guilty for what he did on the road. He was real. Mm. So Mm. Prony was awesome. I said, Prony, you know, the plane goes down. Do I go up? (laughs) Mm -hmm. What did he say? He he said, he said, Wally, I'm not going to tell you. Now there's, isn't this a great answer? Wow. Wally, I'm not going to tell you. And he threw me a new Testament. Wow, and he, he said, "You read for yourself, kid." Wow, and and I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We started going to Bible studies at John's place. Hockey Ministries interact uh, international, sort of, you know, was connecting with us at that time, and uh, basically, you know, in a hotel room, in before you know, before I'm having my pregame sleep in Edmonton, we're going to play Gretzky and the Oilers that night. <clears throat> basically. Uh, I, I, I had come to the realization through the word of God that Jesus was the son of God. Wow. And if that was true, then I needed to, I needed to take action. And I, I didn't even, I'm not a guy of faith. I didn't know I should kneel. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know how to talk to God. I just lay in bed and I looked up <laughs> and I said, Hey God, you know, I'm done. I'm out. You're in Jesus. I am so sorry for my sin. I had no problem with the sin part. And and please come into my life. Be my Savior. Take over my soul. You are my one way to the Creator. And, and with that, I actually, you guys will love this part. I actually had a little caveat 
and I, I don't recommend that you guys or anybody else tries this. <laughs> I, I said, God, if you are real, ooh, yeah. I wouldn't try that one. Yeah. If you're real, I said, change me. Uh, and th- that night I went out and I was supposed to be, I'm the captain of the team swearing at the referee. It was my old buddy, Kerry <laughs> Fraser. He blew a call. <laughs> Brian Murray sent me out, you know, get, talk to that referee. Normally it would be F and F and F and F yeah, and yeah, F yeah. and F. And, and I, I went out to Kerry Fraser. I looked at him. I was angry. And, and what came out of my mouth was, excuse me, uh, Mr. Referee, could you give me the interpretation <laughs> of that call? <laughs> and what did he say? He says, who, who am I talking to? <laughs> he said, he, he, Fraser, he'll remember this too. You guys should interview him. He, he, he said, if you say that again, I'll give you 10 minutes. <laughs> he, he thought I was like, I was, you know, uh, trying, trying to, to be smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what was cool guys is that was God's little way in his humor in my life. Yeah. I, I basically haven't sworn since. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hockey ministries did play a role in that. And you find with hockey players, once you reach the pinnacle, you were looking to get there. And then all of a sudden you reach your goal and you think there's got to be more to this life and more. Was that part of it too? I think so. I think yeah. so, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mean, I love the, <clears throat> the competing and, and I love the team side of our game. You know, I just, uh, every part of it was so fun. I mean, in that first year, I, uh, you know, I thought I was overpaid and, you know, I made 70,000 bucks that year. I'm, I'm drafted <laughs> wow. number two in the world. Like, you know, it, it was a different landscape, right? And, yeah. uh, but I, I think there's a feel, it doesn't matter where um, you are in life or, or what you do in life or, you know, who your family is. It, it really, God is pursuing us. Yes. And I think that at different points in our lives, he knows right? Coaches push buttons. Yep. God, God knows the buttons to push in order to get our attention. And for me, I think I was in that, that right place, or at least he put me in that place for me to be ready for him. There you go. Um, and, and so one of the guys that you got to know, and uh, when I was doing a bit of research, your best man and you were best man for him, uh, someone named Mike Gardner. And maybe you can talk about that friendship a bit. Yeah, great friendship. Mike and I, uh, he's one of these guys, and you guys have these friends, where, uh, you know, you don't talk for six or eight months, and then, boom, you pick mm. right up. And yeah. it's like, you know, you talk to him every every week uh, for the last year. Yeah, Mike. Mike's an amazing guy. We had a blast. We had a, we had a little house uh, that we rented together uh, in the early years. And uh, and we we never bought a, a lawnmower, oh, no. <laughs> and and the grass kept growing and growing. So we called it Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> That's awesome. And we didn't and we didn't know when the when the um, you know when this is two stupid kids, right? We, we didn't know when when the garbage truck came, like you know, to pick up. Yeah. So we just kept putting garbage bags in 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 the garage. Right? <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. It was so bad, oh. but he, you know, Mike and I became very good friends. And you know what was cool is God had Mike on a journey, you know, almost like the same tracks. Like he went down, you know, one side. I went down the other side, and it was crazy because just as I'm ready to say, "Hey, Garts," you know, 
uh, I've sort of become one of these Jesus followers. You know, <laughs> at the same time, Garth sort of said to me, "Hey, Wally, you know, I've sort of become one of these Jesus followers." Wow. wow! And it was crazy how that sort of you know just sort of connected, mm-hmm. and and uh, and he God was really working in both of our hearts. Isn't that cool? It's so neat to see. Um, so let's talk about the trade to the uh, the red, white, and blue. Uh, did it catch you off guard when they were announced that, that, that you were traded to Montreal? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm captain of the team there. Uh, David Poyle gets brought in as a new GM, uh, you know, and I've just played out my contract, right. I'm on the option year of a, of a contract thinking, you know, I'm going to sign a, a, a contract there and, and I'd love to play out my time in Washington. And, uh, and then I got traded and boy, that was, you know, Jenny, my wife, Jenny and I were, were married on the 5th of June and traded on the 5th of September. Wow. So, you know, here's Jen, like, welcome to the world of hockey, baby. Right. Like, <laughs> and then you're, I, on- go off to, I go to training camp and she sells the house. Wow. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was a really interesting time. The other thing, and I don't know if Bob and Steve know this, but I think Bruce does. Yeah is I was part of the worst trade in NHL history. (laughs) (laughs) And Rick Green and I were the worst part because they they traded two of us for four Canadians. And that was the headline in the Montreal Gazette that day when we landed. Wow. So when you get to Montreal and you see that headline, by the way, Rick Green, born in Belleville, Ontario, where we're from. So uh, that's that's a cool kind of segue. But when you get there and you read that headline, how do you react to that? How do you, how does that motivate you? Yeah. You know, I think it put a lot of, uh, obviously there was a lot of pressure anyway, but it put a lot of pressure on Rick and I, you know, it was funny is Greeny bless his heart that, and, and you can ask him this. Um, but I think, as I remember, I think that he reacted differently than I did to, to that type of pressure, but we both underperformed for the next month. We, we were not very good. And, and Rick, uh, Rick, I think was not quite in the shape that they were hoping he would be <laughs> coming to camp. And, and so he's, you know, he struggled there. And so it wasn't the start that we were hoping to have, you know, I, I ended up playing uh, early on with, uh, with Guy Lafleur and, and Doug Wickenheiser. So obviously when you play with guys like that, you're going to have, you know, good games. And, <laughs> and I ended up having, you know, I was on the all-star team that year. I had a really good season, but, um, I always tell young athletes that that, you know, words are important. Like John chapter two, right. And, and John chapter one, like he's the word, Jesus is the word. He, in, in, he, he becomes the word. He is the word. Everything is created by the word. And it's really hit me that words are fascinating and they're so important. And those words worst trade in NHL history really impacted my performance. Mm. And that was where I think I first got curious around things like resilience and things like mental toughness, right? Like Mm. what, what's the gap between talent and performance? Mm. And I think most of us would agree that it's, it's the mental side of our game. Wow. So, and you, you, you obviously turned it around, became an all-star that year. And your time in Montreal, you mentioned uh, Guy Lafleur. Now, am I understanding you guys were roommates for a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Guy was my first roommate and a wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. He taught me everything I needed to know about being a pro without saying a word. 
Wow. Right. You, you just, you just watched them. You know, you guys will want to know this. I mean, <clears throat> flower not only, you know, was on the ice 35 minutes before any other player for every practice, but he, he would sit after practice in home games and he would have this huge bag full of uh, mail. Right. And he, he didn't pay a secretary to sign his name on those hockey cards. Right, Flower would sit there. He'd grab a coffee and he'd he'd sign every every card. Right, wow. lick lick the envelope. You know, <laughs> put it in. <clears throat> like I've I learned so much from watching him about how to be a pro athlete. Wow, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And in your time in Montreal, did you ever learn to speak French? We we may say difficile maintenant parce que. Uh, uh, je I, I, I don't have anybody to speak with. <laughs> that works. So, so, yeah. So I, I love the French language and I, you know, I'm 62. One of my uh, midterm goals is to be bilingual by the time I'm 65. Hmm. Um, you know, n- number one, I want to, I want to relearn the language. I could do an interview in French around hockey um, I paid thousands of dollars to learn the language because I didn't listen at school. <laughs> and, 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 but I couldn't speak. If you wanted me to talk about things in science or something, I'd have no idea. Like a Don Lacroix in the corner or, you know, c'est la boue. It's a goal. Those are easy. Give right? 110%. With the you know, yeah, exactly. the hockey cliches, so I, you know when we were going through your stats, we I couldn't help but notice your penalty minutes in in Washington were were one hundred and six, uh, one hundred and fifty, one hundred and forty two. Your first season in Montreal went down to forty. Yeah, what what was it? Was a different style in game or different uh, different role on the team? Yeah, different role, different style. Um, you know, a lot of players in Washington challenged me. So we're in Philadelphia, you know, playing against the the Flyers eight times in that division, um, you know, and 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 I'm 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 the guy that's going to score goals, get assists, and fight, yeah. and so I I was challenged a lot in those in those days, um, and you know I just felt it was a different role. It was, you know, it was it was I pl- I still had to play tough. I, you know, it was interesting. I went from the shooter on the power play in Washington to the in you know the, the the front net presence guy in in Montreal so a completely different role and you know people say well you had less power play goals you had the you know i'm i'm fine with that right like i'm i wanted to be part of a great team and not you know the the sort of the the signature guy on a great team yeah. so uh, my role very much changed. It's interesting to note in those same years, uh, Laurie Boschman had uh, 575 pen- penalty minutes. <laughs> no, he didn't have that many. <laughs> did you ever have? Like yeah, he, he had quite a few. Uh, did you ever have a fight with with Boshi or any of your friends that that you have now? Yeah, I can't remember ever scrapping with Boshi. You can ask him. You know, okay, I, he's your buddy, Bruce. Yeah, he'll tell you. Yeah, uh, but you know, Boshi and I came from the Western Hockey League and. You know, you had to get used to it pretty quick there. One of my favorite stories is with big Stu Grimson. So, obviously, <laughs> Stu's, you know, a tough guy in the NHL. He's a real solid Christian guy, awesome faith. And uh, so I'm in my last year with the the, the uh, Vancouver Canucks. And, and, uh, and, you know, back in the day, right, you had, to, you had to grab somebody and pair up. 
So our, you know, our two guys are fighting over there. And I go over, I got, I got, I got big Stu. I figure I'm safe here, right? <laughs> Stu's my buddy, right? And I, I've got Stewie and we're hanging on and, and I make a mistake. I sort of look over at the guys scrapping, right? I shouldn't have done that. And Stu just sucker punches. <laughs> and, 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 and he looks at me and I'm hanging on and I'm going to, you know, we're going to go. And he, he's got a big smile on his face and he says, Wally. I'll apologize in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. How do you, we, we asked a few people this before, like how do you reconcile? It was said, um, Tim Burke said, if Jesus were playing sports, he'd be throwing brushback pitches and he'd be taking out runners at second base, um, yeah. taking out the second baseman. Um, how do you reconcile playing tough in sports and your faith? Wow. That's a, what a, that's a, that's the question. Right. And and when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jesus, <laughs> right? like how, how should have I done it? Yeah. I think, I think that Matthew six, one is, is the most, um, the hardest verse for a professional athlete, hmm. because it says basically that if you play or live to receive applause from men and women, you will have no applause from your father in heaven. Mm. And yet, what do we do as athletes? Yeah. We score goals, people get up, they applaud. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, having the, you know, the, uh, many people have said this, you know, the crowd of one, right? The, the Jesus is in the stands <clears throat> that I'm playing with a pure heart before him and for him then anything could come my way that I could react to. And one of my great prayers, you know, people say, well, what, what, what are you thinking? You know, in Montreal, it's such a, uh, a vivid image. You know, the, it's in Hockey Night in Canada, Saturday night. You know, you're, you're in the starting lineup, so you're on the blue line. And, and you know, the national anthems are sung. And, and people have said to me, what are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? What do you... And, you know, for me, that was my time to pray. And, and my prayer was, Lord, protect my reactions. Mm-hmm. If I've got time to think about it and I have the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ, <clears throat> most times I'm going to react the way I want to. But when somebody sucker punches you in the head and, and you react, uh, and that's normal, right? Fight, mm-hmm. flight, freeze. Um, you know, so I used to ask him to protect my reactions in games. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, I, I was in these hockey ministries, hockey camps all summer, and these little kids would be watching <laughs> Hockey Night in Canada. And they, you know, I'm sharing Christ with them, and many of them are going, you know, aren't you the guy that got in the big scrap, you know? And, and, and so there was always this sort of connection. Final thought, though, um, you know, and I, there's a pastor that we were listening to over Zoom today, and uh, and I thought he put it so well. So John chapter 2, do you remember where <clears throat> Jesus not only uh, whips the people out of the temple and, the yep. you know, the cows and the pigeons, and not only does he do that, but he actually makes the whip to do it. Wow. Right? Yeah. So that, he wasn't reacting there. He, he had he had an hour to make a whip, right, and think about what he was going to yeah. do. But what I loved about the sermon this morning is uh, the, the young pastor, Mark Clark, said this. 
um, Jesus is not a safe God. Mm. Mm. That's right. Like, like we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be worshiping a safe. He's not safe. Yeah. Like he's a good God, mm-hmm. but he's not a safe God. Right. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't uh, say, Oh, please get out of the temple and please don't sell those pigeons. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. That's right? interesting. Like he, to think of that way. Eh? He, yeah. he took, he took, he not only made a whip, he took a whip. And it doesn't say that he whipped men and women. It does say that he moved everybody out and turned over tables. And I just think that that is a powerful thing, right? I think God uh, respects and honors passion for him. Yeah. Right? And and so sometimes we're, we're not going to be safe. And hockey is not a safe game. No. No, that's right. That's That was awesome. Yeah. Now, you, you uh, played your last couple of years in Vancouver, and uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks are going through a real rough time now, but they're, we hear they're on the upswing. Uh, a lot of the players are, are recovering, and uh, that, that's good to hear. Um, talk about, you know, when you go to Vancouver, that's your home base, and then all of a sudden, as, as hockey career comes to an end, where do you go after you're done? It's a, you know, a lot of guys, when they retire, it's, it's now what? And, and just talk about your journey after hockey. Yeah, thank you for that, guys. Uh, you know, for me, it was a not knowing. I mean, I... Looking back, I probably made some big mistakes. Uh, but, you know, looking back, there's no mistakes in our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't ready. <clears throat> I think very few people are. But I should have thought through it a little better. I mean, I had a couple of teams. Montreal, when I was traded to Vancouver, Serge Savard brought me in and said, listen, would you like to scout? Would you like to be an assistant coach? Would you like to be part of our organization?" And I wasn't ready for that. I, I still wanted to play. So Serge moved me to Montreal. And when I look back, you know, Pat Quinn had the same talk with me. You know, would you like to, I don't know, coach in the minors? Would you like, you know? And and I I, I didn't have a positive answer. I didn't have any answer. I, I, I said to Pat, I'm not quite sure. So I really, uh, if, if it was just from, a, uh, you know, making money and, staying in as a GM or whatever point of view, then I probably made a mistake. But I came out of the game and I started to broadcast. Right away, um, TSN, you know, sort of came. It was Scott Moore, a wonderful guy. And he said, Ryan, you're articulate. You know, you speak well behind, you know, the the microphone. You, you, you're just out of hockey. You know all the players. Uh, why don't you come and do some broadcasting for us? And so I started slow. And then, you know, really ramped up and for 10 years did a lot of broadcasting, TSN, Sportsnet, you know, uh, BC TV. And then I, I had a chance to work with Jim Robson. Mm. And Jim Robson is a great radio, you know, guy for 25 years with the Canucks. Wonderful guy. So uh, so that was fun. What, what happened there too, guys, is I got curious. <clears throat> I really got to a place where, you know, I loved the broadcasting and then it gave me room. Uh, to actually, you know, dabble in a bit of business stuff. And I got curious and, you know, sort of, you know, was in a couple of businesses, lost a business, like, you know, sort of went through the hard times. And and I think every hockey player thinks they're coming out of hockey. It's businesses just like hockey and I'll just work <laughs> hard and everything's good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I learned about, uh, Bruce, here's one for you guys. I learned about a really 
dirty word. It's called cash flow. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I know. That can come up, eh? <laughs> cash flow is a bit of an issue at times, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and so I learned lots there. I, I, I sort of cut my, you know, my nails on that. And, and then, you know, really got excited about trying to connect professional sport, the prince, principles with what I call professional business. Hmm. I went back and did a master's degree in leadership business at, Tr- at Trinity Western. And we really, you know, for the last 20 to 25 years, the one constant in our life is we love, you know, trying to help people grow and developing leadership capacity in companies And that's really, you know, every once in a while I get called back to do it in hockey, but, you know, 90% of the time it's with companies across North America. And so we love that stuff. We've built our own models. We've, you know, written books and, and it's just a curiosity, but, but let me just end with this. It is exactly the same as pro sport. And here's why. What wakes me up every morning is why do some teams win and why do some teams lose when they have the same talent? Mm. Mm. What's the differentiator? And as many of you know, I mean, in business, we often call it, you know, positive culture. You know, we call it leadership. We call it many things. But there's that differentiator, right, between uh, people that are talented and skilled and people that win. Yeah. Interesting. Is that yeah. why, what's the explanation for the Maple Leafs not winning since 1967? <laughs> <laughs> Any comments Bob? on that? <laughs> Bob? Bob, do I have to answer that, Bob? <laughs> oh, Bobby. Um, so, and, and talk about the transition out of the game. Your wife, Jenny, you, you and your wife, Jenny, have five children, and, uh, and all of a sudden you're a hockey player, and now you're out. Uh, what was the change like for your wife becoming a non-hockey wife? Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant question. I'll tell you why, because I wish Jen was right here and she'd Mm. tell you, um, because here's what she would say. She said that she, she told me this, she said it was harder for her than it was for me. Mm. And, and the reason was that her identity for many years was being a hockey player's wife, Mm -hmm. right? We were a hockey family. And, and she, you know, she walked through the door like nobody had, she didn't need a ticket. Right. She went right to the wives room and she had her own seats. And so her identity was as caught up as mine was. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, I, I wish I would have understood that better as a husband because I don't, I think I was struggling with my own stuff, right. Not recognizing that, that Jenny, you know, had a struggle too. Interesting. Interesting. And now you're, you're working with a lot of businesses. Um, COVID-19 has really impacted uh, everyone's business and what's the one thing that, um, you know, that, that folks are struggling with? And, and what, is, what are you hearing from business leaders that is a good thing that's come out of COVID-19? Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's so diverse right now. You know, the, econo- the Economist magazine said in, there's three types of businesses uh, coming out of COVID. There's the businesses that, you know, are surfing. I mean, they've never been better. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and uh, Bruce, I know your business is really doing well. Um, you know, then you've got these other businesses that are so surfing, then there's swimming. So some businesses are okay, right? They're, they're hanging in there mm-hmm. and they're, they're hoping to get through it. And then there's some businesses that are sinking and, you know, it's so true. We've had to have a, we've had a huge pivot in our business. We've gone from, 
you know, 100 in-person training sessions in 2019 to one wow. in-person training session wow. in 2020. And I've just finished about 85, um, you know, uh, half-day um, training sessions over Zoom with corporate America. So we've really had to change the way that we do things. couple thoughts. Uh, I think that COVID does affect different businesses in different ways. Um, and yet I think people are very similar. Mm-hmm. And one, one thing that's hitting me <clears throat> is I see, I see people that are needing to rely on what sports calls mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and for me guys, and you, you, you guys can tell me if I'm right, right or wrong here, mental toughness as I'm starting to explore it and see it is much different uh, than resilience. Resilience is part of it, but mental toughness is, is not only, you know, the, the mental side, right? It's the preparation side and it, it's the post game side and it's choosing our thinking versus reacting to our thinking. Interesting. And so this mm. idea of mental toughness, I see that people, and executives who have sort of gone through the hard times, you know, you think of 2008, you think of other times, you know, they're, we're building this capacity to increase our mental toughness. Interesting. For me, worst trade in NHL history yep. was one of the things that really that grew motivated me. you. Interesting. Right? Yep. It, it grew me. So I, I think that that, Bruce, is the one thing that I see. And, and we're starting to build processes to help companies increase the capacity of their mental mental toughness. People will learn from this. I know as a business, I look back over my 32 years in business and there's certain things that I can, the year I can do, the date, the time, and COVID definitely has been one of those. Speaking of mental toughness, Stevie, you disappeared on us, but mm-hmm. you're back. So I had a moment there. I, uh, <laughs> Not I, was, I, I, I love the, the technology conversation that Ryan was going on. I was like, my technology? Uh, maybe I can have Ryan come help me with my technology. <laughs> BC and Alberta, you guys get along, right? There's a big well, love fest out there, right? I guess TELUS has helped us out. We have be friends now, but uh, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> so before we go, and, and thanks for uh, tuning in with us tonight, we this, this has been a great talk. Um, the one thing that people may not know, that you, you had a bit of an acting job. And you were involved in a movie, The Miracle, and uh, maybe tell a little bit about that project. Yeah, that was really fun. And uh, for anybody that hasn't seen Miracle, run right out and rent it or buy it. Yeah, buy it. (laughs) Because I I get residual. Oh, there we go. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So Um, what did you do in the project and did you advise and then did you, you had a little cameo as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah. No, you know, uh, Disney called and uh, asked if uh, uh, Miracle was shot in Vancouver, Canada. And so, um, you know, they asked me to be part of their, uh, their core group that put the movie together. Excuse me. I have no idea about movies. I have nothing <laughs> to do with movies. And I, I, I've never been behind the, the scenes of a major mo- motion picture. But uh, I was really proud of our team uh, in the way we put the hockey together. And it's one of the few videos. Uh, typically, uh, what what I was told is that Hollywood would uh, hire the actors, and then they'd try to get them. They they get somebody to teach them how to skate. So you know, when you think of Mighty Ducks and the you know, yeah. the, right, like you know, you can always tell if it's an actor trying to skate. <laughs> what they did with Miracle is so cool, and I'm so proud of Gavin O'Connor, the young director. Is is other than maybe the pro, the top four or five players and coaches, 
uh, he actually took uh, hockey players and, and he taught them how to act. Ah, isn't that cool? Yeah. Eh? yeah. And, and so we were very proud of Miracle. We had 125 plays animated on my computer. And so, you know, we would, we'd, we'd come down to shooting. We practiced for two and a half months. We shot in about uh, uh, three weeks. And then, you know, I would, I would go to center ice and I'd, I'd hold the computer up. Right. And, mm. and I'd say, okay, play, play 35 guys. And we'd done it enough that, you know, all they had to do was watch. Okay. Breakout regroup. Yeah. Got it. We're coming up the left side. We're going to get a shot on net. Cool. And so the reason that we had to do some of that, some of it is just scrimmage, but we had to, we had to honor history. <clears throat> so Mark Johnson's goal at the end of the first period, you know, you've, you've got to replicate it, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's got to look like Mark Johnson's goal. And our guys, I give our players all the credit. They nailed it. They nailed it. And uh, so I'm very proud of the hockey side. <clears throat> Finally, um, I didn't know this was going to happen, but Gavin O'Connor uh, said, hey, Ryan, you've done a great job. I want to get you in the movie. And mm-hmm. so he made me the head referee between the U.S. and Soviet Union, so in the big game. And I ended up with four lines in the movie, and that took me from a, a pretty nominal salary. <laughs> you, get, you get four lines in a movie, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're quadrupling your salary. So <laughs> that was awesome. And just for Bruce, yeah, the, the the most important line in the whole movie miracle is, "Come on, Herb, get your guys to the faceoff." There you go. Well, we'll watch that. I'm, you know what? I own a copy of that. I've got it on VHS here, go. so I've got it on. No, I, I actually got it on DVD. But oh, I'll, man, yeah, <laughs> I'll get it out and watch it. And uh, thanks. So, for anyone who wants to get in touch with you, Ryan, to learn more about your coaching, to learn more about your speaking, uh, where can they get in touch with you? Thank you guys very much. RyanWalter.com is probably the easiest place. So just RyanWalter.com and send me. I like when people just, you know, send me a little contact form and, and it, it can be for anything we've had, you know, uh, you know, uh, CEOs where we're doing tons of work for, uh, with them contact us there, but you know, we've also had hockey fans that have just sort of sent a note and say, Hey, uh, you know, I'd love you to, I'd love you to sign my hockey card. Uh, where can I send it to? So we're wide open. We love people. We love to try to find ways to add value to people, uh, ryanwalter.com. That's awesome. Our time has come to an end. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. <laughs> do you want to go do karate in the garage? <laughs> yup. Well, I want to thank Ryan Walter for joining us tonight. It's been a privilege to have him on the edge of tomfoolery, hearing your story, and we encourage all our listeners to get out and uh, check out his website. Uh, you are the author also. We didn't talk about that. You've written, uh, you've written more than the Gospels. You've written five books. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, we got we got two more on the go. Can I share oh, these wow. with you? Yeah, like sure. Yeah. yeah, go for it. Number one is going to be on this idea of mental toughness. Okay. Yeah. Number two is I'm really excited about the questions Jesus asked. That's awesome. That is awesome. No, you can share as much as you want. We went to finish the show with Boschman the one time, and he talked for another 10 minutes after. So we went to Four more stories. Yeah. He had story after story. Listen, for the Edge of Tom Foolery, my name is Bruce Mackey. I'm Bob Morris. I'm Steve Height. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Have a great weekend. Thanks to our guest, Ryan Walter. <laughs>